if I had to just swing in for 10 minutes and then leave like the doctors do, I wouldn't have the million funny stories that I get in a day when I come home. I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine my life without actually getting to spend time with my patients. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. Hey everyone, I'm Blake Fletcher and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast where we explore the interesting paths that people decide to take in life. And in today's episode, we'll be talking with Sephora Fox, who is a float nurse, which I thought would be the perfect primer into the world of nurses and that side of healthcare. As a float nurse, Sephora goes to any and every unit pretty much within a hospital, wherever she is needed, whether there be someone that calls out sick or if they just need extra people on a particular unit one day, she will go there. So that could be anywhere from the emergency room to the intensive care unit to oncology and helping patients with cancer um, to... Uh, helping pregnant women, um, like a- absolutely anything that you can think of in the hospital, she has helped out with. So it's a nice little primer in each of these different departments. And she'll also give us her opinion on like what is the best area of the hospital to work in and what is the not so best area of the hospital to work in, which of course is just her opinion, but it's interesting to hear nonetheless. Um, for those of you that would like to support the show in any way, I just recently launched a Patreon page. I would really, really, really love it if you checked it out and decided if you wanted to give to the show in any way. That's at patreon.com slash half hour intern. Um, if that's too much of a commitment for you or you don't have any money right now, I totally understand because I don't have any money right now. So in that case, if you could just tell a friend about the show or leave a review on iTunes, I would be so, so grateful to you. Um, without further ado, here is Float Nurse. Sephora, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm so happy to have you on the show because as I was just telling you um, when we were kind of like off air, for whatever reason, I haven't interviewed any nurses yet and I haven't interviewed many specialties in the medical field, um, which is such a big, diverse, crazy, interesting field. And like what a perfect person to have on is the first nurse that I ever have because you are a float nurse. So um, since I have a background in the medical field, I know what that is and I have experience with float nurses. Why don't you tell all the rest of us that don't know what a float nurse is, what a float nurse is and why it's so great that you're the first nurse that I'm having on my show? Sure. Um, <clears throat> okay. So there's kind of two definitions of a float nurse. There's a float nurse on a floor and there's a staffed float. So a float nurse on a floor would be a nurse who didn't have an assignment and she just kind of goes around and helps everybody with little things throughout the day. And I do end up doing that sometimes. But what I am is I'm a staffed float. So it means I'm booked for two days, two nights, 12 hour shifts with four days off like everybody else is. But I don't know where I'm going. I fill in last minute sick calls all over the hospital. And although I myself don't have a specialty, I get sent to specialty floors to help out and I just end up going anywhere and everywhere in the hospital and taking on an assignment and being that kind of nurse for a day. So you don't know where you are going to go until you like arrive at the hospital that day? Yeah, I can, uh, in my, the way my hospital functions specifically, I can check online and sometimes the night before I might know, but there's no real set schedule for where I'm going to go. That's so crazy because medicine is such like a big complex world. It's such an interesting thing to not really be able to mentally prepare for the different type of thing you might be getting into that day. Um, 
So why don't you talk about like the breadth of the different things, the different places that you might go? Is it truly like anywhere in the hospital and like how diverse can these areas be? <clears throat> so, I mean, most commonly they try to keep me on the general medical floors because that because I don't have specialty training. But I mean, I end up a lot of times this last set, for example, I started out in oncology working with the cancer patients, and I don't specifically do the chemo, there is a chemo nurse there whose job that is. And I work with them. And then the last two shifts, I ended up working in emergency. And it's just, yeah. So if you don't have specialty training, what happens when you end up in in a specialty area like that? Like, what, do, what are you allowed to do? What are you not allowed to do? Um, and do you have to, like, get help, I guess, from other people in the area? So I guess this is kind of my favorite part is because I can show up and really I get to kind of be a student all over again. I get to show up and I get to ask a bunch of questions. Actually, just recently, I was on a surgical floor and I was reminded once again of all the things I don't know. I'm getting report from this patient or from a nurse about a patient and she's telling me, okay, well, he, she just had this GI procedure done. So obviously she can't have any straws. And I roll my eyes. I'm like, oh, of course, obviously she can't have straws. All <laughs> yeah. of us nurses know you can't have straws after a gas <laughs> But I had no idea because I've never worked in that world. And to them, it was basic knowledge. But then at another point, a patient started crashing. And because they're so used to surgical patients who are stable and, you know, they're used to a certain recovery path, they're really great with wounds and everything. They have this amazing knowledge that I don't, but they're not so used to people crashing suddenly on them. So I was like, okay, I'm used to this. I'm used to people who can't breathe and spike a temperature and yeah, so then all of a sudden they want me in there to evaluate her, and then that's when kind of I realized, okay, we don't, it's not that I'm stupid, we just have different knowledge. And yeah, you get to put on your, like, superhero cape and come save the day. Yeah, but we all kind of have our moment. It's kind of funny that you think, like, that shift in particular, I started out thinking, oh my gosh, I must be an idiot, I don't know this, but it's really just that we have a different set, <clears throat> a different knowledge set. Things need to be so specialized. And I mean, there's just so much that can go wrong with the body. It's incredible. And there's like a few things to that, to what you were just saying. One is, is what, like the other thing that always surprised me in a hospital is that I, I just wish that people would would use whole words more often and use acronyms a lot less because everyone like throws around their acronyms and there will little be like specialties in the hospital that use the exact same acronym to mean different things, you know? And it's just like, Oh, exactly. I, everyone just spouts their lingo and they assume that everyone knows their lingo, um, which I can't imagine how difficult that is, uh, as a float nurse that <laughs> like, everyone's just like, Oh yeah, we got the PPD going on with this BQZ. And you're like, Oh, totally, oh. man. Yeah. I'm with you. you have no idea and that's but honestly i have to say that healthcare is such a team that's where unit clerks come in handy the people who process the orders they're geniuses because they can read doctor's handwriting when the rest of us can't they know what all these stupid little acronyms mean when people like me show up who don't know so when i show up on a floor and it's a specialty and i'm not involved in that specialty i utilize all my resources <laughs> yeah yeah it's so important it's funny because like i used to be a medical device rep and as a rep uh, like you know people would ask me what i did for a living and like what you end up doing as a rep so like i would end up in surgery a lot of the time and then you more or less like assist the doctor in surgery obviously you're completely hands off because you're a rep but like you assist in terms of like vocalizing what needs to take place in this exact specific instance, you know? Mm -hmm. And as a rep, you know 
absolutely everything about your product and you know absolutely everything about basically like every type of patient that would use your product and how it would be used for that type of patient and troubleshooting for this one type of weird circumstance or something and people would always be so surprised like wait like the surgeon takes advice from you like he's the surgeon and it's like well yeah but he need do you know how much more that surgeon knows that i don't know (laughs) you know like and he has to keep all these things in his head but if like yeah if some weird thing comes up it's great that he has me there you know to be able to help out with that and uh you really god it like it takes a village in a hospital to be able to do any given thing um in yeah like you said you shouldn't ever like feel bad for not knowing some particular little thing yeah exactly and i find it i don't know i like we have amazing relationships with their doctors and it totally it depends on the doctor i don't think it's an age thing at all some rely totally on our input for us to make the best decision and other ones you know if i was just in there taking this blood pressure he's going to go in and take it right after me because he doesn't think i did it right (laughs) there's just such a variance in who you can work with and what your team's going to look like and it's it takes a lot of adjustment every day to kind of adjust to what kind of patients you're going to have what kind of team you're going to (laughs) have yeah as a float nurse do you ever kind of get like shit from other nurses or doctors who are just who who kind of act like okay you're not really part of our team you don't really know what you're talking about well i will say nursing in general definitely has an air about it like when i first started i know somebody said to me nurses either young when young nurses come in they kind of have this attitude of well you don't know that and when you're a young nurse and somebody says that to you your confidence just shoots to the floor. You feel so devastated. You think you just wasted your life and you must be the worst person in the whole world. (laughs) But that's what they tend to do is kind of give you this, you don't know that attitude. But luckily in my position, I come in and I'm filling in for last minute sick calls. So when I show up, it's either I'm there or they all have to take on extra patients. So in general, I have to say I get a wonderful attitude when I show up. I get hugs. I get, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad you're here. And it's kind of nice. Yeah, people are just so grateful that you're there at all. I know. It's so nice. People don't like working short for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Um, so how did you end up becoming a float nurse? I I imagine like a lot of people decide earlier on like, oh, this is like the type of thing that I want to do. Um, or maybe they don't that, you know, that's something that's always strange to me is like when I hear younger girls say like, Oh, I want to become a nurse or boy, I shouldn't have said younger girls, younger people that want (laughs) to become a nurse and they'll just say, Oh, I want to be a nurse. And I, because I was in medical, I am always like, well, like what type, which one, you know, and it's like, they never, people never really think to like, think of what type or what they want to do. Like, how did you end up becoming a float nurse? I think most people don't even really think that there are different types of nurses. And I think when I started school, especially, I had no idea. I think I was in my second or third year and I really wanted to be an emergency. And then all of a sudden I realized that if I wanted to work in emergency, that was going to be another two year course after I was done school. And now being in, like you said, when you work in it and you see how different things are, you realize obviously this requires a different knowledge set than, you know, working with babies on maternity would. And that totally makes sense when you're in it. But when I was in school, I just thought I'm going to finish school and I can be any type of nurse I want to be. So, you know, I finished school and I figured out that I couldn't be any type of nurse I wanted to be. I started out like most nurses do. um, It's really hard to get full-time work straight out of school. So when I finished school, I was working casual on a couple of medical floors, just trying to make full-time hours and get some seniority so that I could get more calls. And then I ended up 
having a full-time line on a floor and my manager was the manager of the float pool. And he just kind of, I think he liked my, I don't care attitude when he would say, do you want to move to a different floor? Do you want an extra patient? Can you do this for me? I would always say, I really don't mind. I'm, I'm here till seven. I'll do whatever needs to be done. And so I think that's kind of how I got backdoored into being a float pool nurse because I just kind of had this laissez-faire attitude that really appealed to the manager and I was close to him. And I will say nursing jobs in general, a lot of them depend on who you know. I finished school. I did my last year of training in emergency. So on paper, my school looked as good as it could. And then I moved from the place I graduated in. And then the place I moved to guaranteed jobs to its new graduates. So when I first moved here, I couldn't even get a nursing job for the first six months. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah. So it yeah, it was long and hard. And then once I found somebody, actually, I met them in a dog walking class. And once I found somebody who was a nurse, I had a nursing job within two months. So if you want a nursing job, make nursing friends and utilize them. Yeah, just start hanging out like in the parking lot, like the employee parking lot of the hospital. And yeah, Uh, I literally I was in a dog walking class and I heard her say she was a nurse and I kind of like slowed right down and took five steps backwards and very yeah, abruptly approached her by the end of the six months. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Great advice. Yeah, it's just, it, man, being a float nurse, it just sounds like such a great option for a young nurse. Like it, it, the the difference between different areas of the hospital is not small. Like it, it is like entirely different things, you know? So it, the the ability to try out different things, because once you are working for that hospital and you are a nurse, it's very easy to go on to get continuing education in one line or another and decide like, you know what, this I think is what I want to do. Um, but as you said, like the hard part is getting your foot in the door and like, you know, getting those jobs off the bat. But man, I, I can't imagine a better option for a young nurse than being a float nurse right off the bat. Well, I always advise people to start out on a medical floor, mostly because it's you get to know the paperwork and everything. And it's nice to have one place that you feel comfortable. I always say for the first three to six months of a floating job, because I've done it now in two different hospitals. So for the first three to six months in a floating job, it feels like your first day every day. You have that nauseous feeling. It's really hard. And it's nice to have at least one floor mm. that you feel like you know everybody and they trust you. And it's so it's nice to have a home base. But it is, I think, think everybody should do it at some point in their career because I really thought at the beginning of all of this that I did want to go into ICU and I thought or the intensive care unit and I thought that that was going to be amazing and then I got floated there for a couple of nights and I hated it I literally cannot think of a job that wasn't more for me and I, I think it's an amazing job the women who work there are brilliant but that isn't for me and I don't think I ever I would have went through the two-year program and thought it was a good idea. But thankfully, because I spent two or three nights there, I know now that that's not for me. <laughs> this is something I want to talk about quite a bit more later is like your favorite areas to work and your least favorite areas to work. But why do you say that exactly uh, about ICU? Is it just the level of just constant like seriousness and, and like direness of the situations? Um. This is going to sound probably pretty frank to people who don't work in the medical field. Um, I guess I was very used to, uh, before then I had been in emergency a lot. I end up being extra and just having to go down and help out in emergency a lot. So I was very used to seeing the dire situation. And in emergency, you basically stabilize them long enough to 
to get them somewhere where they're going to have more people available to ICU or into surgery or wherever they have to go. So I thought it was going to be a continuation of that same type of excitement the yeah, whole like time. but intense care or something, yeah. Yeah, but really, I mean, you stabilize them and they go to ICU and they either die or they're kind of, they're running on these machines and you're just watching them go tickety-boo. And when they first show up in ICU, it is 20 minutes of chaos. I couldn't tell you what happens in those first 20 minutes because those nurses and the doctors are just everywhere. But then everything kind of stabilizes and it seems very calm and it just wasn't what I had expected. And it was just a lot, a lot of death down there and a lot of young death, a lot of, obviously, because they're in ICU, it's a lot of unexpected death and traumatic death and a lot of dealing with families who are so upset. And I just thought if I had to do this, four days a week i think i would start to get a little bit of anxiety yeah <laughs> i like yeah. it's so tough yeah so i mean and, and some women can do it and they're amazing or i keep saying women some nurses can do it and they're amazing and i'm so glad that they're here but <laughs> i found out that that i'm not one of them yeah for sure yeah i'm glad we're having this conversation for this reason so um what sort of schooling and then post-schooling education do you need to be a float nurse is it like some other types of nurses in the hospital where you need to get like specific certifications to be able to do float or do you not need a specific certification uh in my hospital specifically basically they want you to have two years of experience in a general medical floor so that they know that you're familiar with how a hospital works (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) that sounds like a good minimum that's good Yeah, well, because I really, at the end of the day, medical patients, what you're trained for as a general medical patient, end up everywhere. So at least if you can have a grasp on that, you can have a good grasp on at least a couple of your patients, no matter where you go. Cool. So it's more experience-based than it is like some particular certification or or anything like that. Yeah, and I think it's experience-based, and a lot of it is referral-based. I mean, if your manager is going to say, if you do, if you change her assignment, she freaks out, then obviously they're really going to not want to put you in a float position because I've been put on three or four floors on a different day. (laughs) Yeah. So let's say you go to one of the more specialty areas in the hospital. Um, So like oncology or respiratory or something like that. Do those nurses in those specialized areas need to get some different type of, of training than you would have? Oh yeah. Like the respirology floor, they, um, one of the big things that I always have to refer to them to do is like vent training for the trachs and everything. And they do a lot of extra courses. I don't believe respirology specifically is, um, additional school courses. They do certifications and things like venting and trach training. And then in oncology, there's, uh, Usually there's a lot of general medical nurses and they'll have two or three chemo nurses who have done a specialized course in administrating chemo. And so they'll go around and give all the chemo. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you can either go to school and take a two-year course and get a real specialty. Or even if you, like, for instance, one of the floors that really appeals to me is the cardiac floor and the cardiac monitoring. And all you really have to do to work there is the cardiac monitoring course. And it's, I mean, I think it six months to a year of just this one course but it's a specialty floor and it's really only one course that you have to do instead of two-year investment wow that's that's nice there's just a lot of variance in what kind of education you can do and the ecg course in specific that one is funded by my hospital they'll pay for you to go do it and then you have a specialty but 
I will also stress, because <laughs> when I was in second or third year, I learned that there were specialties and then I didn't learn till much later. You don't get paid anymore. You have to go do an extra two-year course, but the nurses in emergency don't make any more than I do when I'm kicking back, having my nap on a general medical floor. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good advertisement for the general medical floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. They don't all, well, uh, they don't all take naps. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so in a second, I'm going to ask you about um, your opinions on these things, but try to keep your opinion out of it at first and just talk about the difference between being a nurse in different areas of medicine. Like how different can your day look as a nurse if you were a respiratory nurse versus an ICU? Like you talked a little bit about ICU and how interesting that can be or an emergency and how crazy that can be and whatever else. Like, um, try to tell us about like some of the swings of like how different your day could be if you, when you got out of nursing school, decided like, yep, I'm going to be an ICU nurse for sure. Versus when you got out of nursing school, you said, yep, I'm going to do oncology for sure. Um, like where is there any crossover and then how are those jobs different? Sure. So, um, well, first of all, I will say that all of the jobs entail just a massive amount of dealing with people. And I think that that's something when I was in nursing school, I used to mock a lot of the courses that we did. There's a lot of therapeutic relationships and stuff. And when I first finished university, I used to tell people I majored in singing songs and holding hands because I couldn't stand those courses. But now that I'm in nursing, I will say that that's the biggest thing that is on every floor and every unit is that you have to deal with people. I mean, unless you're on maternity, you're pretty much dealing with people in the worst day of their life. So Nobody's happy to see you. Nobody's being their best possible self. And if they are, they're some kind of a saint. So dealing with people is very general throughout all of them. The biggest variance, I think, is the type of relationship that you develop with them. Like in emergency, you're there, you're short term, you really don't know who the patient is. You have no idea of kind of the what that patient's life looks like and what's actually going to work for them. So say, for instance, a diabetic comes in and as an emergency room nurse, you can quickly look at them and say, well, obviously that limb is no good. It needs to come off. And that seems like the best possible option because that's your focus. Whereas people on the general medical floor in rehab, they kind of have to look at the patient, not just in that moment, but okay, so he's going to go home. Well, does he have steps to get up? What else is he going to have to deal with when he, get, when he gets home? Does he have friends nearby who can help bring him to all these appointments that he's going to need to get to? And it's, just a totally different relationship with the patient and looking at where they're coming from and how what's going to fit for them. Whereas an emergency, this is the solution to the problem and this is what has to happen. And even I will say most floors don't have a sense of closure to them. I will say uh, oncology in particular, you develop a really strong relationship with that patient because obviously they have cancer. They're kind of going to be in and out of the hospital a lot renal patients are another one people who are on dialysis mm, you yeah. kind of see them all through their life and i mean unfortunately we end up seeing them through their death but for a lot of nurses that that's where they take most of their pride is that i looked after john for 10 years through all of his illness and when he was there i got to make sure that his family was there that he looked lovely that everything was just right so i think that the type of relationship you have with your patient is the biggest variance by far Wow, that's really interesting. I, I wouldn't have thought you to go in that direction, but that makes so much sense. Like, A, the relationship you're having with them, and B, like the 
time scale for that patient, for lack of a better way to put it? Like you like you saying about an emergency, it's like, okay, what do we need to do now, like right now for this patient? Yeah. And when they're on a different floor, it's like, okay, we can be a little bit more relaxed with our time now with this patient and like what's going to be right for, or, or then even later, like what's going to be right for them in the future going home and all this stuff. Like you're looking at, you're looking at the patient in these like different scopes of time. Yeah, exactly. It, it totally changes and it changes how you're going to interact with them, right? And on an oncology floor, when you first meet them, you're going to want to make a good impression, whereas in an emergency, you really don't care. And they don't care because they're in a crisis. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Um, all right. So now, why don't you tell us your favorite area or favorite areas in the hospital to work? Um, I will say, in general, uh, what I think of like the high acuity medical areas, like the ICU, the cardiology there. And I do know it's because they're just the nurses there are so smart and they have such a good relationship with their team and they seem, but they're just so calm and they have a really good air about them. Even when I'm there, like on a cardiology floor and I can't, I mean, I have done the course, but I don't feel comfortable analyzing ECG rhythms or anything yet. And with, so when things are going wrong there, they're all just so calm and they help out and their attitude with each other, I think is amazing. And I just find that that's very common throughout the high acuity areas when you're just used to the barrage of people and tragedy. I think you just develop this laissez-faire, let's get through this attitude. And I really enjoy being a part of that. Mm, That's interesting. It's like the exact opposite that you would think it would be. It's, but I mean, and I'm sure not everybody, but usually they generally say that emergency room nurses are more relaxed than everybody else. And they, I, in my experience, that's totally true. They just seem so, yeah, okay. He says he can't breathe, but we'll get a hold of it. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they just take like way more drugs than anybody else. <laughs> they should. Trust me. <laughs> what, uh, what's your least favorite area of the hospital? Um, well, you already said ICU, so let's rule that one um, out. I don't like ICU a lot, mostly, like I said, because it was a lot of death and a lot of very traumatic family interactions that I didn't think I could deal with every day. In a lot of people, I don't like maternity at all. I can't stand working with pregnant women. That's <laughs> I so funny. That, Why do you say that? <laughs> I tell people... And I'm a very sarcastic person, so take it with a grain of salt. I tell people it's because I became a nurse to help sick people, and pregnant women aren't sick. They're just whiny. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just, I mean, it's really hard when you have this well person who's going through this very traumatic thing. And, you know, I'm just used to, you know, like oncology. I'm used to people who have head-to-toe cancer, and I look at her and I say, are you okay? Okay, is there anything I can get for you? And they're like, no, I'm absolutely fine. I'm wonderful. Thank you. You're doing a great job. And in maternity, I'm looking at you. I'm like, you're fine. You have a husband running around getting your drinks and everything for you. You're okay. And she's <laughs> like, I'm uncomfortable. Make me feel better. <laughs> That's so funny. God, that makes so much sense. I uh, yeah. I love that. <laughs> and not to generalize, I know some women are just so pleasant. It's, and it's just not something I can handle. And again, there are some nurses out there who are total saints who go into that and it's their forte there's something for everyone out there well that's unfortunately such like a bigger story for life right not just that exact situation but like you you could be going through such a hard time and like you're you're good and calm and brave about it and then six months down the road you like stub your toe and you just flip out because you stubbed your toe like we're just we're so strange about the way that we handle things that happen to us exactly they're 
just, you know, and plenty of people always say to me, I was saying to the girls on the floor yesterday, um, when I tell people that I'm a nurse, they say, oh, it takes a special type of person to be a nurse. And I say, well, maybe it does, but I'm not one. I'm sure it would help. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Some days I have a lot more patience than others. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, all right, let's uh, let's start to wind this thing down a little bit. I want to get some different types of pieces of advice from you. Um, first of all, though, I'd love to hear your thoughts on on what sorts of misconceptions you think people have about nursing. Oh, I think that they vary a lot. Um, I have a lot of friends who think that I wipe butts for a living, and then I have a lot of friends and family who think you know I'm a superhero who runs in and saves lives, and I mean, what I do is somewhere oddly in between that I, I take care of my patients in all ways I possibly can. And luckily, I say most of what I do is I help coordinate a team because I have amazing people around me, like the care aides who really do a lot of the hands-on work in there with them and helping the patients out. They're there with them more often than I am. And then, you know, the doctors who I lovingly guide in the right direction of what's best for that patient and the physiotherapists. And it's just... It's such a good team. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Something that we should have talked about earlier, maybe, um, which we didn't, is your your relationship with the physicians and different people throughout the hospital. So um, talk about that a little bit and like how much the physicians, uh, obviously you said that that's going to vary, but how much the physicians trust you and like what the exact interaction is. Like what is, what is your role to the physician's role when you guys are both treating the same patient um, in a hospital room? So for me in particular, I find because I float and the doctor's patients are all over the hospitals, I end up seeing the doctors a lot more than other people. And I find that I have an excellent relationship with them. We've kind of formed a trust. I know them on a first name basis. They know who I am. I'll, a lot of the times I'll call them up and say things like, you know, so-and-so's blood pressure is shitty and he'll just give me the medications. He doesn't need to sit there and ask me, well, what is it? What was it 20 minutes ago? What medications is he on? What has he taken yet? Because he knows me and he trusts me that if I just call him up and say his blood pressure is shitty, give me this medication, they'll just give it to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) But it's, especially when you first start out, I think everybody here's the nervousness in your voice and here's how uneasy you sound. And at the end of the day, it's the physician who can get sued if things go wrong. If I do something wrong, it's really his orders. I kind of act as a professional middleman. So I'm not nearly as much at risk as he is. So the relationship and the level of which we need to trust each other in order to operate every day, you know, to do things like that, when I just say, this patient's crazy. I need sedation orders for him to just trust me enough to give me an oral pill and an injection and restraints and trust me to use them as I see fit because I've seen this a million times. I've seen people get delirious. I know when he's beyond the point of taking a pill and just to make that trust with them over time, it makes your day much, much easier. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds like the more that you start to trust yourself, the more that the physicians will naturally start to like pick up on that and trust you as well. And the more experience you have, it's and the hospital that I work in right now, it has a lot of residents in it, a lot of young doctors. And I have a really difficult time in dealing with them, mostly because at this point, I'm still a very, very young nurse. I've only been nursing for just over two years now. And at this point, I've seen a lot more things than they have. So when they really want to push for something for a patient. And I'm like, I know that's not going to work. I've been here a thousand times. I've done it. It doesn't work. We just need to move on. But it's 
when you first start out and they're new and they don't know what your experience is and they don't have any experience of their own, it's really hard to convey that. That's so funny to hear that. I I literally have always had the exact opposite experience with residents as a rep. And I I don't know if there's any other reps listening to this and probably other nurses that are listening to this that like, I I wonder if all the nurses would side with you and the reps would side with me. The reps are uh, the, the, uh, the residents are so great for the reps because they're just like, wait, so how do I use your thing? And like, how, what am I supposed to do here? And what, you know, like they just, they really want to know. And like, they're following along with like exactly how to do it because as a rep, like so much of the time, the, the reason that things will get screwed up with a patient is because the doctor just did it. And then they're like, so it's not really working right. And you're like, uh, yeah, you, you totally did it wrong. Like that's why it's not, I mean, but you can't say that obviously, (laughs) you know, like you, you have to be like super diplomatic about telling them that they kind of did it the wrong way. And yada. but like the, the residents like never do that. You know, they're always like, Oh, like, cause they're kind of still in like teach me mode, you know? So they're like, Oh, like teach me how I should be doing this correctly. But it sounds like because they're being taught about the patient states a lot that they just maybe walk into a room and will immediately make a judgment call that, that you do not agree with? Well, like, actually, it's funny. It's for pretty much the exact reason that you like them, that I dislike them, because they're so by the book. And there's things that you just learn from experience. Like the other day, I had a patient who was elderly, and she was just going bananas. She was screaming. She was crawling all over the place, calling for people who weren't there. And a lot of people who don't know this, who don't work in the medical field, but in the elderly, that's a classic UTI. And the elderly, a UTI really throws them for a loop. So they can, I've had the sweetest little old ladies throw a chair at me because they had a UTI. It really affects them. Wow. So, so I call this resident in the middle of the night and I say, Hey, this lady's crawling all over the place. She clearly has a UTI. And because he's by the book, I'm used to doctors who would just give me a general, we would get a urine spec and give her a general antibiotic until the urine spec came back. And then we would get a specific antibiotic based on what the culture came back saying. And so I'm telling this kid that (laughs) this kid, I call them baby doctors. (laughs) He's probably like older than you are. (laughs) I know they very much are. I'm telling this doctor that this lady clearly has a UTI, have a urine spec and I sent it and I'm going to start a general antibiotic. And because he's so by the book, he said, no, um, I'm going to talk to my attending about this. And he's going to do his whole by the book rigmarole. But it's hard because I know from experience that this is what we do. We start a generalized antibiotic. And then when I come back four days later, that lady was still not on an antibiotic. Damn. And it's because you know, he thought he wanted to do a CT exam and see if there was something wrong with her head. And he wanted to look at her cognitive history. And I'm like, this is a UTI. I, I deal in this all day long. This is an elderly woman with a UTI. Dude, Sephora, it sounds like you just need to become a nurse practitioner so you could just start doing it all yourself. But then it's honestly, it's the responsibility. I love where I am. I love having the relationship I do with patients. If I had to just swing in for 10 minutes and then leave like the doctors do, I wouldn't have the million funny stories that I get in a day when I come home. I just couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine my life without actually getting to spend time with my patients. Yeah, they're hilarious. Totally. Which to your point earlier about not really enjoying the ICU. I mean, talk about something that you don't get in an atmosphere like the ICU, you know, Exactly. You're not hanging out lovingly, spending time with the family. Whereas even in oncology, you really are. You're, you get to know them, you spend time with them. And 
because I float around, I follow around a lot of my patients. I'll usually admit them into emergency and then I'll see them when they're up on the renal floor and then I'll see them in rehab right before they go home. So I get to follow them everywhere and then lovingly tell them that I mean it in the best way possible, but I hope I don't see them again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, All right, Sephora, let's give people some advice. So first of all, Let's give out some like nursing recommendations here. What types of people do you think will be good at what types of nursing specialties? If you are somebody who is extremely basic, well, in general, if you can deal with people and keep a smile on your face, you should be a nurse because that's the number one quality (laughs) I think that most people need to have. If you're extremely attentive, but you don't do well at multitasking. There are so many fields in nursing, I think. Well, I can't say that they're not multitasking because they really are, but they're being very attentive to one patient. Like working in palliative care is amazing for the nurses who do that are so phenomenal. And it's such a good area of nursing. Um, I mean, ICU, that same one-on-one, but you're doing a lot more of the monitoring and you're working a lot with the physicians. I think there is somewhere I noticed more than anywhere else that they have a really close relationship with their doctors because they're constantly there writing orders for them. If you like multitasking and like getting kind of thrown around in different places, I think doing the float nurse thing could be for you. Um, I mean, yeah, if you like pregnant women go to maternity it's for somebody i guess um, <laughs> it's a good advertise. it's for somebody i guess that should that should be like the uh the slogan on the door of maternity oh but uh, honestly i i say that but i mean i have a best friend who absolutely loves it and who wouldn't do anything else so it's just it's totally it's what's for you and what interests you and really well they get to I hang out with the babies too so that's awesome I, they do they get to hang out with the babies but not for me <laughs> but Um, but I think the best part about nursing is that you're not stuck. Like you can finish school and you can get a specialty and then you can go back to the medical floor and then you can usually get your union or your hospital or somebody to fund you to go do another specialty. Most nurses I know switch at least the floor that they work on every two to five years. Hmm. So nobody tends to just stay in one place and stay stagnant. And if you do, then you're a wealth of knowledge for all the newbies coming through so wow that's really cool especially for this generation where most people don't stay at a job for much more than like two to three years um and then they move on to a new job move on to a new job move on to a new job it's nice to hear that you can if you go into the nursing field it's like you can get a whole new job but with some level of of like i'm still on top of this and i know what i'm doing it's like a really nice blend of all of that and I mean, even in my couple of years of being out, like in a few weeks, I'm going to help my dentist do some IV sedations because he needed somebody to do some monitoring for him. I've been to Kenya and I've done a volunteer nursing mission to Kenya. I've worked as a private nanny for autistic kids. Like just because I'm a nurse, I've had so many other opportunities that are in no way related to the hospital, but I've managed to keep my job and do all these other cool little science things. Wow. So cool. So last thing that I want to finish off with is uh, what is something that you wish that somebody had told you before you started down the path of becoming a nurse? Oh, um, I think there's a lot of things. I think, first of all, speak to a nurse and get a realistic version of what it looks like. You just told us. I I know, but (laughs) I guess. Okay, I'll come up with better advice. Hold on, hold on. Biggest advice would be to ask questions and accept that you don't know things a lot and 
except that asking doesn't make you look stupid. It makes you look smart. You look stupid when you try to guess and you get it wrong. So <laughs> I think ask questions and participate. Oh my gosh, I can't mention how many students and stuff we have when we have a new skill and they don't jump on it. I say, this is your opportunity. This is when you can get in there and you can do anything like me as a float. I can participate in these specialties and nobody has any expectation of me to do it right. It's a miraculous thing. And when you're actually working there, you don't get that opportunity anymore. So you need to take advantage of it. Yeah, totally. Good advice for life in general. Just kind of like check your ego at the door and, and just get all up in it, you know? That's, I feel like you miss out on so many opportunities if you're afraid of looking stupid. So accept yeah. that you look stupid and admit that you want to get better and just participate. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, Sephora, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for all of your info. This has been awesome. I'm so happy, like I said, to have a float nurse on first. So uh, thank you for all of the, uh, all the great advice. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a good experience. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode with Sephora and learned something new. If you did enjoy the episode, I would love it if you left a review on iTunes. That'll help new people learn about the show and hopefully they can get the same enjoyment out of it that you do. And uh, that's why I do this, is so people can hear it. So hopefully more and more people will start to hear it. If you really love the show and you wanted to donate to the show in any way, I just created a Patreon page, which allows you guys to do that. That's at patreon.com slash half hour intern. Thanks so much for listening.